right, I'm going to ask a question, and I don't want you to respond out loud. Okay, I'm going to ask the question. I want you to internalize the answer, uh, and you'll understand why when I ask it. Uh, here's the question. The question is this. What is the meanest thing you've ever said to somebody? Don't say it out loud. Just think about what is the meanest thing you've ever said to another human being, okay? All right, everybody got it? You got the meanest thing you've ever said in your head, okay? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, we are in prodigal perspectives part two, yes, if you want to pull it on, on your phones there. Okay, the meanest thing you've ever said to somebody. So hang on to that. Now you've got that in your head. And uh, here's another question. Anybody know what an inheritance is? What's an inheritance? Something you get when somebody else dies, yes. Okay, an inheritance, usually money, but it could be things um, that you get when somebody dies, okay? Uh, my parents and grandparents are all still alive, so I have not gotten one of these yet. Um, good friend, of course, my, my, uh, my friend Christina that I talk about often, she actually got an inheritance when her grandmother died. It was so big it allowed her to buy a house cash. Um, at the age of like 24, Christina owned her own house. And, yeah, it was ridiculous. So uh, that is an inheritance. It's money you get when somebody else dies, okay? So, so the story we're talking about, I'm talking about the prodigal son and... Uh, most of y'all weren't here last week. It's almost a totally different group than we had last week, which is cool. So some of you guys know it. Some of you don't. I'm going to summarize it for you. Okay, here's the deal. There's a guy. He's got two sons. Okay, they're grown. You know, they're, the sons are both grown. But the younger son says to his dad, Dad, I want my half of the inheritance now. Will you give it to me? Okay, and the, and the dad says yes, and the dad gives him his half of the inheritance, the younger son. And the younger son goes off and spends the money on pleasures of the world. He parties, he meets women, he goes and has all this fun stuff until he runs out of the money. He runs out of the money, and then he realizes he's broke, and the, uh, the economy in that area was in a famine, which means there was not food to go around. And so he ended up hiring himself out to a farmer, and he worked in the pigsty. And he was so hungry, the Bible says, that he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating, which is gross. That's nasty stuff, okay? So that's how hungry he was. He got so hungry, and he's broke, and he's got no money. He says, okay, I'm over here. You ever get to the point where you're like, that sounds like a good idea. And then you realize how bad the situation is. That's where this kid is. He's like, you know, that pig food doesn't look too bad. Anybody ever eaten like dog food? Like on a dare? Okay, like half of you guys have eaten dog food, of course. And uh, I was not at all surprised that Draven or Brett's hand went up, in all honesty. Uh, those hands did not surprise me, nor did Harley's particularly. Uh, which girl raised your hand? Was that you? That's weird. I was surprised by that. Um, didn't expect Ashton to have eaten dog food. But this dude is eating pig food, which is way worse than dog food. And so, or he's tempted. He realizes, you know what, even my dad's servants, even the dudes that are just hired hands, don't have it this bad. So he goes home. He goes to beg for his, his father's forgiveness. And we'll get to that in, in a minute here. But let's go back to the beginning now that we've kind of got a summary of the story. Okay? Now, we already talked about an inheritance is what you get when somebody dies. Now, if you go to your dad and you say, hey, I would like my inheritance now, what are you wishing would happen? Yeah, that's basically going to your dad and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's pretty harsh. Anybody ever, have you ever, I hope nobody here has ever said that to somebody. Um, maybe, maybe you have. If you have, that's, that's, we'll pray for that. Uh, but uh, have, has anybody ever had that said to them? Really, you have. Can you, uh, honestly, I don't know 
of anything that would be meaner that I would want said to me. Like that is, I can't think of anything meaner. I've been cursed at. You know, I've been cursed at. I've heard every four-letter, you know, whatever in the vernacular. Uh, I've heard all those and some of them aimed at me. But I don't know that there's anything meaner than saying, I wish you were dead. It's one thing, I wish you'd go away. I, should, I, I wish I didn't have to see you. Those are all fine. I get that. I've said that to people. Yes, Raven. Well, okay, I don't think he meant it that way. I don't think he meant, I wish you were with Jesus right now. Uh, that's probably not, the, I mean, okay, that's a whole different thing. But, you know, but just, yeah, that's you, yeah, that is just you being argumentative there. That's playing devil's advocate. So when, when he says, Dad, I wish you were dead, that's, that's one of the harsh, like I said, for me, that's about the worst thing you could say to me. Like, there's a lot of things you could say that wouldn't hurt my feelings that bad, but I wish you were dead is pretty bad. Um, and, so, and I honestly, you know, we've talked about forgiveness here before. That would be really hard to forgive. For me, to, if somebody said that, being serious, you know, legitimately, I wish you were dead, that's a hard thing to forgive. Now, last week we talked about the brother. And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to check it out on the podcast. I don't uh, push the podcast very much, but we do podcast all of our messages. And uh, that one... Uh, was pretty good, not because of me. It was just a good message that God gave me, and so I'd encourage you to check that. It's about 25 minutes long. Uh, ChosenGenYouth.com or iTunes. You just search ChosenGen, and you can find it on iTunes. Um, it was really good, and uh, and so I encourage you to check that out. And we decided, or we kind of came to the conclusion that the brother is really the worst guy in the story. We do not want to be like the brother. And most of us are not very much like the prodigal son because we are not out living a crazy life where, you know, most of us kind of have things generally put together. We're all a little jacked up, but most of us are following Jesus. So that leaves the father as the character that we're going to focus on tonight. We're going to focus on the father, okay? Now, the father has been told, I wish you were dead. Really harsh. He's heard this really mean thing said to him, and he's given his money to his child, and his child has gone. He doesn't know where the kid is, he doesn't know. The kid left, he watched him pack, he said, okay, see you later, uh, you know, I'll be praying for you, and the kid's gone. Now, we're going to look at what the father does here. We're in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Now, the reason we played the game we did tonight was to help illustrate this point here. When something is a long way off, Will you see it accidentally? No. Don't, don't play devil's advocate. Just think logically here. Not likely, right? Like, you know, I mean, it's one thing if, you know, War of the Worlds is happening and we see the dudes walking towards us or something. You know, that's different. But a person a long way off is very difficult to see, especially if it's a big open field, which is reasonable to, uh, to assume back in that day. It seems logical that he would have been a farmer, so possibly a lot of land. And when you're looking out across all this land, it's very difficult to th- see things that are far away. And even if you could see it, if I'm just working around my house and somebody starts walking from two miles out or from the end of the horizon, I'm not going to see them until they're pretty close. Right, just because I'm doing stuff. So the fact that the father saw the son while he was still a long way off indicates that the father was doing what? What was father doing? He's looking for him. He's right. He was keeping an eye out. You ever get that when you're expecting a package? Everybody get that where like yeah, and like you check the the mail every like ten seconds when it's about the time the mailman comes, or or you know nowadays you check the online tracking. You know the package tracking. You refresh it like every thirty seconds. You know I do that. Uh, 
Every time I've got something, you know, if I know it's supposed to be here, especially here, because I never know where in the church building they're going to deliver it. Like, there's like eight doors that they leave it to. You'd think the guy would know, but he, you never know. It gets left at the front door. It gets left over at the greenhouse. gets left everywhere. And so, you know, that's what the father's doing. The father is looking for the son. He's, he's actively on the lookout for the son, which is really, really cool because it tells me that he hadn't given up on the son. You know, most of us, we don't really know how long the son was gone. I mean, we, we don't know that. It doesn't, there's no particular frame of reference given. Um, but it was probably a long ways. If he got half of his dad's money and managed to blow through it all, probably took some time. Okay, this probably wasn't a one weekend, crazy weekend in Vegas or something like that. You know, this isn't that. This is where he was gone probably a good while. And so the father still hadn't given up on him, which I love that because it's so easy for me to give up on people. I, you know, there's people in my past and in old friends and stuff that I have, you know, prayed for in high school and all that kind of stuff and just prayed that they would meet Jesus and it never really happened, you know. And, and, and at some point you just kind of, and sometimes it's just, you know, especially from high school, you kind of lose track of that person. You don't talk to that person. I had a buddy named Mike in high school who, uh, one, of my, one of my good friends and he was Catholic. His family was Catholic, but he didn't have any particular relationship with God and prayed for him. He came to church a few times, and, and then, you know, just we graduated and kind of went our separate ways. And, and I remember he showed up at the school I was teaching at. He showed up during band camp, and I didn't recognize him because he'd put on like 100 pounds. And uh, I don't know if it was 100, but it was a lot. And he showed up and walked into my room, and at first I'm like, who's this fat guy that just walked into my room? And I realized, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, it was really awkward. Um, but, you know, it's easy for us to give up on people. We try for a little while, and then ever come to church, we, keep, we ask them to youth a few times or to, to whatever, maybe not to youth, but you ask them to something, and they say no a few times, and they just kind of give up. The father doesn't give up on the son. He's still looking. He's still keeping an eye out, okay? And, and I almost wonder if he was doing anything else or if he was just spending his days watching the horizon, which sounds really boring to me. But when you're that expectant of something, when you're hoping for something to happen, when you're waiting on that package or, in this case, waiting on that son, you've, he's very expectant. Now, what does he do after that? After he was filled with compassion for him, he, the father, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Okay, that's Luke 15, 20. He ran to the sun. Now, remember, in this day and age, he's probably not wearing, like, gym shorts and T-shirt, okay? That's probably not what he had on. He probably had on, like, a tunic, you know, thing that went all the way probably below his knees, but you got to hike up in order to run. So he's got this thing hiked up around his belt. There's other places in the Bible where it talks about characters running, and it actually mentions that. They tucked their tunic into their belt or whatever. I think it's Elijah. Tucked his tunic into his belt to run. And so the father probably did that. He's probably got his stuff pulled up. You know, he's got his pants hiked up. And, uh, and he's running, and, and if he's old enough to have grown sons, how many of you think, you know, like you see older people or anybody older, anybody in their 40s or 50s running, and a lot of times it just looks awkward. You're like, wow, he looks like he's going to hurt himself, right? That's, that's kind of the, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a young dude. The father's old enough to have grown sons, so he's probably in his 40s, 50s, maybe older. We don't totally know, but he's running to meet his son. He, and he didn't care that that was weird, that that would have been an embarrassment for a business owner, a farmer, a, a, a man of respect. You know, that, that would have been really strange even now, but especially then. And, but he didn't care. He did what it took to help his son get home. It's, it's probably safe to assume we know the son had come from a place where he hadn't eaten. He was hungry. That it told us that earlier. He was so hungry he was looking at the pig food. So the son is probably a little malnourished. And you know how when you get malnourished or you're hungry, you're really weak? 
right? So the son is probably weak. He's walking home. He smells like pig. He's dirty and gross. And, and I almost imagine he's barely able to st- keep standing as he walks home. You know, he's coming down the driveway or whatever, this dirt road maybe that, that led to his dad, that led to his dad's home. And, you know, and he is jacked up, man. He's like, like Tom Hanks in Castaway when he's all messed up. You know, like he just, he can barely hold himself up. He's probably skinny and, and, and all skin and bones. And the father runs out to him and probably had to help him home. Probably had to help him stagger home and the father runs to help him. And the running indicates that sense of urgency. See, the father could have been like, I knew you'd come back. Sat there on the porch waiting for the kid to crawl up onto the porch, you know. Um, that's probably what some of us would have done, you know. We're like, uh, how many like that I told you so moment, right? We all like to be able to say I told you so. If we're being honest, we like that. My dad used to, we used to have the thing he always told us. Whenever we would argue with my dad about something, he would always say DKE. And DKE meant dad knows everything. He's like, I told you all I knew the answer. And, you know, at one point we got old enough, we figured out how, well, yeah, you asked mom. And he's like, doesn't matter, I still knew. You know, <laughs> and, he, and he would always give us those I told you so moments, you know, and we had those, and, and, uh, and we liked those moments, you know. Every once in a while I have those with Wes. I don't say DKE, but I'll just be like, you know, it must suck being wrong all the time. Uh, you know, some of y'all may have even heard that from me. I don't know. Um, because we like to be right, and it would have been super easy and understandable for us. As, as It would have been easy. For, it's easy for us to be like, I told you so. But he didn't do that. He wasn't willing to wait for the son to get home. He had a sense of urgency to bring the son home. And as soon as he saw a sign of the son, he was going to help the son. And he used his own effort. Man, it, running requires effort. Y'all know I don't like to run. I trained for that 5K last year and never really got to where I could even run the whole thing. And I haven't exercised in like six weeks and I'm putting on weight again. And my shirts are all fitting tighter again. It's making me angry. But, uh, um, you know, running requires effort. Some of y'all are athletes and you like to run. I'm not that guy at all. Um, I'm not good at it. I don't enjoy it. You know, some of my runner friends told me when I was training that, oh, you'll get used to it. You'll get to the point where you like it. I never got to that point. Ran for whatever it was, like six months training for that thing. Never got to the point where I enjoyed running. Uh, but, But that's what the father does. He puts himself out of his own comfort zone. He does something that requires effort, and he runs to the sun. So here's the question. Here's the question that kind of is going to, the main point of tonight, is who in your life do you need to look for and run to? Who in your life have you given up on them ever meeting Jesus? Who is it among your friends or maybe in your family, somebody you know that, you know, at one point, man, maybe you were praying for them and you were inviting them to church on the regular, and, and, but at some point you just kind of gave up. You just got tired of waiting. Who is that person? Now, while you think about that, we're going to talk a little bit more about the father and his heart. And about, we talked about what the father did, but now let's talk about the father's heart. Because, again, we talked about the fact that the son was gross, okay? When you hang out with pigs, you get to smell like pigs, and uh, that's not pleasant. And he probably stinks, and he's dirty, he's covered in mud. Did the father make the son clean up before he could come home? No, he did not. He said, yeah, you know, he, it says he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. Okay? How many of y'all, there's always like little kids, whenever they get wet, what do they want to do? When little kids get wet, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to hug you, right? They want to get you wet as well. They think that's hysterical. And so, 
Or with our little kids. I do that too. So, uh, like, if we're at a party and I get wet, I'm coming for one of y'all. It's just the way it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, that's exactly what it is. And, and normally, when we, what do we do when the kid comes to us? We run away, right? We don't want to get wet. And that's just water. Imagine this father runs to this son who's been hanging out with pigs. He's full of dirt and mud. He smells to high heaven. And what does he do? He gives him a big honking bear hug. Man, he wraps his arms around him. Instead, he throws his arms around him and kissed him. He doesn't expect the son to get clean. He doesn't expect the son to make himself presentable. All he wants the son to do, he doesn't want him to take a bath. He doesn't want him to, to do any. He doesn't even let the son apologize. I didn't really get to that story but, or that part. But the son has his whole speech worked up. He's going to apologize. He's going to follow his father's feet. And he's going to beg. And the dad doesn't even give him the chance to do that. The dad just goes straight for the hug and kind of interrupts him and says, don't worry, you're my, you're my son. The dad didn't want anything except for the son to just come home. See, the father didn't want anything else other than for the son to come home. That's all he requires because the father's the one who did the cleaning up. We know that the father said, hey, get him some new clothes. Get him, get him a robe and here's a ring and put some good shoes on his feet and give him a bath and cook him a steak. The father is the one who does the cleaning. The son doesn't require, or the father doesn't require the son to clean him up. All that's in Luke 15, 22, where it says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Because that's how the Father loves us. In our worst sin earlier, I had you guys think about the worst thing you ever said to anybody. Right at that moment when you were saying that, God loved you. Right when the thing you do, the thing that you still struggle with, it gives you the most guilt. That thing that every time you do it, you just want to cry when it's over. That's when God loves you, right in the middle of that. And that's the way God loves those around us. He doesn't require cleanliness. He, he makes us clean. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. And, and it's, it's not a matter of how good we can get. It's a matter of how good he is. Because that is the heart of the Father. And that's where I want to go tonight. That's kind of the, the big idea tonight is this, that the Father's heart loves us in our worst. And so often, and I speak for myself, man, as I've been prepping this message, my heart has been broken time and time again this week as I've prepped this message. Over and over, I read this passage and I think about these points. And, and all I can think about is, man, my heart is so hard sometimes. Man, my heart is so jaded and so used to the ways of the world that I have just given up. But the heart of the Father is a tender one. Okay, it's soft. It it continues to want people to come home. But we so often expect people to get clean. And you may say, well, I don't think that, you know, I would never make my friend wear something or whatever if they came to church. I don't care. You know, I would never tell my friend that. And that may be the truth, and I hope, I hope that's the case. But here's the question. Do people think that we expect that? If I went to your friends and said, hey, come to church, they'll say, oh, I don't, I don't have nice enough clothes to go to church. Or, you know, I, I curse too much for church. Anybody ever heard, had a friend say, oh, man, I'm so bad. If I stepped into church, Jesus, I, I'd get struck dead just walking in the building, right? We can probably think of people who may have said that. I can. I know people who've said that. So, man, if I just looked at a church, God would strike me dead. That's how bad I am. There's people that think that. 
And it's our job as Christians to have the, the heart of the Father, to have a heart that says it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter what you're struggling with, come on in. That's, that's the heart that we should have. So here are the questions. The first one I already asked. Who's your prodigal son? Who's that person in your life that you had given up on? You are done. You just, you know what? They're never going to meet Jesus. I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. Who's that person? Ashton, would you do me a favor and pass those out? Make sure everybody gets a pen, too. Everybody needs a scribbling utensil and that. I'm going to pass out a little card here. And here's what I want you to do. The person that's in your mind right now, your, your prodigal, that I think all of you guys probably have somebody in mind. Um, if you have that person in mind, I want you to write their name down. Okay, very simple. I want you to write their name. And we're going to put them on this board. We're going to create this bulletin board here. And it's little, but that's okay because there's not that many of us here tonight. And, uh, and the idea will be that as these people do meet Jesus, we'll take them off this board and, and you know, we'll, maybe we'll create another board or something like that. But um, I want to have a board full of people in your life that you had just about given up on, or maybe you had given up on, but you know that the Father heart of God has not given up on them. The Father heart of God wants to see them come home. Now that was the first question, is who's your, who's your person? And the second question is this. I want you to ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, do I have that Father heart? Do I have that tender heart? Or have I become jaded and, and angry and bitter and just given up on, on people? Some of you tonight may fit into this other category. You may fit into like all these categories. You may have somebody in mind that, that you know you need to write their name down. And whenever you've got it written down, you can come put it up here. You don't have to wait on anything else. You can just come, grab a push pen, and, and put it in this bulletin board here. But uh, um, some of you guys, you're like the son in that at the beginning you had a relationship. I find it interesting that this prodigal son story is often told as a salvation message, and it's great as a salvation message. But at the beginning, the son has a relationship with the father. And some of us tonight here are in a place where, you know what, we have, at some point in our life, we have begun that relationship, but we've faded away, we've drifted, we've, whatever it may be, we're not still in that strong relationship with the Father. And you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. I have been there in my life. I, I first met Jesus 22 years ago this month. 22? Yeah, 22 years ago this month. But there have been times when I drifted away from him. And, and so I want you, if that's you, you know who you are. And tonight you have the opportunity to come home. The Father, God the Father does not require us to get good before we come home, before we ask for forgiveness. All he asks is that we just come home. And so tonight I'm going to pray. I'm going to close out with prayer here. And, and I want you guys to simply pray a prayer yourself. If you need to Renew your relationship with Jesus. You do that. You know how that works. Most of you guys know what the uh, kind of how this how that works. And some of you guys know. I mean, like so most of you guys know how to how to do that, how to repent, and how to come back to God. And I'll pray through that as well. But but I also want you to pray for these people whose names you're writing down. I want you to pray that God would give you a soft heart for them. God, I thank you so much for this story that those of us that grew up in church have heard a hundred times. And God, that even 
Even with that, you still continue to show me new things in it. Every time I read it, God, I get something new out of it, and I'm so grateful for that. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us the heart of the Father. God, the heart of tenderness, the heart that's broken for the lost, not a heart that has given up or a heart that has grown tired. We know that your word says do not grow weary doing what is good because there will be a harvest. And so, God, I pray that we would not grow tired and bitter and hard, but, Lord, that you would make us soft. God, I pray for these names here. God, I pray for Summer and for Sydney and for somebody's dad and for Kendall and for Cody and Caitlin and Aunt Norma and Jason and Sarah. God, right now I lift them up to you. God, I pray that these students would would hear those names and would pray for them and would be broken for them. Lord, that they would be witnesses in word and in deed. God, but that above all they would not give up because we know that you have not given up. You said... In this world, we're going to have troubles, but we can take heart because you have overcome the world. And so tonight, we do that. Tonight, we want a refreshing of your spirit, God, and a refreshing of your encouragement for when it's, when it's hard to be encouraged. I know this time of year is just a time of weariness. And Lord, I pray energy in our walk with you. God, I pray that we would not grow weary in doing what is right. Lord, I pray for these prayer requests tonight. God, I pray that you would... Uh, God, like, the, like you pray, lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from evil. And I pray even above, above that, not that we would not be tempted because we know that there's always going to be temptations, Lord, but I pray that you would give us strength, put people around us like Moses had to lift us up when we are weak and to encourage us when we need encouragement and to, to sometimes correct us in love when that's what we need, Lord. But I pray that, God, that you would be our strength. Through temptation, I pray for Maggie, Lord, as she's traveling, God, that you would give her traveling mercies and a safe ride. And God, I just pray right now for each and every student that's here. God, break our hearts. Let us be tender. Let us be soft-hearted. Let us not be these jaded, angry Christians that, that give you a bad name, Lord, but let our hearts be just full of grace, God, and not, not approving of sin, Lord, but, but God, loving the people so that you can change this, the behavior. God, it's not up to us to change behavior. God, it's up to us to love people till they meet you, and then you can change their behavior. You're the one who cleans us up. And so I pray that we would not take that action upon ourselves. We would not take it uh, uh, upon ourselves to save, because none of us can. You are the only one who is mighty to save, God. God, I just pray for each student. I pray for each family that is represented here, Lord, as they finish up school this last day. God, give them focus on these last, this last exams or whatever they've got coming up tomorrow, God. And then a summer of rest, God, and of mental and spiritual recuperation and restoration, Lord. God, as we get ready for camp and all the, all the good things that this summer is going to hold, I pray that above all we would be restored and we would be refreshed in you, Lord. God, we know that if we're in your will, you're going you're gonna to do good things for us and you have good plans for those that are under your protection. And God, I just praise you and I thank you for that. God, it's in your name we pray.